Well, it's almost the new year, and as we look over our resolutions and plan to hit the gym, we hope you've committed to strengthening your spiritual muscles too. It's time for our Read the Bible in One Year Challenge today on Focal Point. We're in the final countdown, and it's time for our New Year's edition of Ask Pastor Mike here on Focal Point. I'm your host, Dave Drury. Now, we normally set aside the end of the week to answer your listener questions, but today we'll hear Pastor Mike Fabares extend an invitation to our entire Focal Point listening family. We're being challenged to make an unswerving commitment to stay in God's Word all year long. Well, let's join Pastor Mike Fabares and Focal Point's Executive Director, Jay Wharton, in the Pastor Study. Thank you, Dave. I am here with Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike, I wanted to take this time and, and talk about something that you would encourage our listeners, and I know you do this at our church, Compass Bible Church, and that is reading the Bible in a year. Can you tell us about that? Oh, that is so important. It is so critical that we read the Bible through. It just is very important. And the, what, what I do is I have a schedule, which of course I've just stolen off of a website somewhere that helps us get through the Old Testament and the New Testament in one year. So I want to encourage everyone that listens to this broadcast Podcast to get on our schedule if you don't already have one and read through the entirety of the Bible from cover to cover. Do that every single year. We start in January, read the first couple chapters of Genesis, first chapter of Matthew, and on we go through the whole Bible. So every day you're reading from the Old Testament, you're reading from the New Testament. And what may surprise you is it only takes 78 hours to read the entire Bible. That's if you read it out loud at the front of your church, okay? But if you just read it silently, you're not reading it out loud. Most people can read it in about 55 hours. So if you think about that, right? Just consider how much time you'll spend watching television or just doing things that really don't matter. If you just clocked in 10 to 15 minutes a day, you could read through the entire Bible in a year. It's not that big of a time investment, and it's super important. Well, Pastor Mike, Maybe you could explain why it's so important that we read the whole Bible through. I mean, isn't it just enough for me to read what we're going through in church that week or maybe Bible study that week? No, of course not. I mean, what we need is a complete, comprehensive perspective on all that God has said. Now, you read it through the first couple years, and you know you don't maybe catch or remember every part of it, but the more you go through it year after year, the more you see with clarity that the God of Leviticus is also the God of the Gospel of Luke. It's the same God expressing himself himself while in different times and in various ways, the message and character of God comes through. The gospel surfaces, you begin to see the God of grace, the God of holiness, the God of justice, the God who cares for us, the merciful God. You see this picture emerge as you see the whole Bible. And I often say to my congregation, you've got to realize reading through the Bible from cover to cover is one of the best safeguards against heresy. That is so important. When you hear something that is just off, in some way. If you've read through the Bible year after year from cover to cover, you can hear that and you immediately know that is not the God that I read about every year in the comprehensive, you know, full picture of what God has said in the Bible. So it is a very important safeguard against bad teaching, and it's a very important foundation for our lives. So no matter where we're reading in the Bible, we got the full picture uh, beginning to become ingrained in our thinking. 
And even along those lines, like verses that are our favorite verses that maybe we take out of context because there's other parts of the Bible that would say, no, that it informs us on those things, doesn't it? Right. And, and that's what every preacher tries to do as he gets up on the weekend is make sure that whatever passage I'm preaching, I don't take that out of context. I've got to know what God has to say about this topic from every part of Scripture. Now, that's why I trust you You pay your pastor so he's not out having to dig ditches or, or sit behind a, an Excel spreadsheet all week so he can carefully look through the entirety of the Bible, making sure that every sermon he brings takes that one text and keeps it in context so that we present the right picture of that truth governed and guided by the rest of Scripture. Now, that's what your pastor is doing every week, and certainly that's what we need to do every time we pick up the Bible, and the only way we can do that without having hours and hours to prepare you know, one particular interpretation of one text is to continually, year after year, spend time reading the entirety of the Bible. It is essential for us as Christians. Now, Pastor Mike, to some, this might seem like a, a daunting endeavor, especially if you get behind in your reading, you might just quit. What advice would you give our listeners? Well, you know, I'm sure you're going to direct them to our websites that have this schedule up, but I would say if you get behind, just jump on the day that you happen to be on and read today's reading. And then if you can, go back and pick up what you've missed. But just read what is there before you on the schedule that day. And don't get discouraged because you got behind. And there's a lot of perfectionists out there that are going to hear this, and they're not going to adhere to it. If they're two you know, days behind or two weeks behind, they're going to try to catch up. They're not going to be able to catch up, and they're going to give up. Don't do that. Just get in the passage that we are scheduled to uh, read for that day. And if you can, then go back and catch up. But just stay up with us. That's so important. And uh, it is a discouraging thing for people when they get behind. But there are going to be those days you may get behind, but just read the days, days. Reading. Would you recommend using audio Bibles or things like that to help you get through it, or would you like to get your eyes on the words? Well, and, and I think either way can be fine, but what I would prefer is that you mix it up a little bit. And by that, I mean there have been years, and of course I've been doing this for decades, but I want to make sure that you know I have the experience of being read too. So I'll do that maybe once every seven years. I'll just make sure that that year, all I do is listen to it being read. And then I may listen to it and and read along while it's being read. But most years, I'd say, you know, four years out of five, I'm just reading it, putting my eyes on the text and reading it myself. Well, thank you, Pastor Mike. That sounds like a great New Year's resolution for our listeners. And we are going to hear more on this topic with a message you preached called Back to the Basics, Making the Most of Daily Bible Study. The Bible, in every way, is trying to drive our attention to get into it. Constant use. Get in it every day. Get in the Word every day. Well, I'm busy, Mike. Your mother taught you when you were little to brush your teeth. Am I right? Did you do that today? Mom taught you to shower, bathe, clean out the crevices of your body, and I bet you find time to bathe almost every day. Brush your teeth, some of you, twice a day. You floss. What's with all that? You got no time for that. You make time because you know how important it is. If you understand the essential nature of the Bible to the Christian life and you understand how good it will be when we become skilled in it, it's worth the work. You got to make the time for this. Two parts of this. Get in it every day. I want you to get in it in two different ways. Number one, I want you to read it through from cover to cover. And when you get to the end, to start over and do it again. Read the whole thing. Don't tell me that you're a Christian and, and you base your life on the truth of this book and you're not going through it continually. Read the Word of God from cover to cover. 
This is such a safeguard against so much of the garbage out there that is pawned off in the name of Christianity. All I say, almost I say it at least, I don't know, once a week, twice a month at least. I'll say, you know, if people read their Bible from cover to cover, they'd never fall for that. I say that all the time. Because I think here's a guy who's kind of, 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 of pandering to the appetites of people with a kind of, of, of manufactured Christ or a manufactured God, and I say all you'd have to do is to read the Bible a few times through, and you'd see that immediately as a false God. To get the 30,000-foot view of God's revealed word is, is a, a safeguard against so much heresy. It'll give you a sense of the whole counsel of God. It is so important. Now, I know you're going to miss a day or two. Well, a lot of you say, well, you're already in First Kings. I've missed everything from Genesis to 2 Samuel. I'm behind. I'll start next year. We may all be dead next year. You understand that. We have no guarantee for tomorrow. If you're too busy to read the Bible, you're too busy. I'd rather you live under the underpass and have time to read your Bible than be Mr. Hotshot Executive or busy PTA mom and not have time for the Word of God. You can do it in 17 minutes a day. Read the Bible all the way through. Get in it every day. Secondly, as it relates to getting in at every study, at least one verse a day. One verse a day. There's a difference between reading and study. You could pick a verse from what you just read. You're going to read three chapters or two and a half chapters a day. You might want to pick just one verse out of that and study that verse. That'll be harder than what I would probably recommend if you're brand new with this, and that is go to a New Testament epistle and just start working through it a sentence at a time. Take the first sentence and you need to ask three questions. We call it the TAN method, then, always, now. T, then, A, always, N, now. TAN, then, always, now. I don't care what you call it, anybody who's going to be handling the word accurately or skilled in its handling of the word, they're going to have to move from then to always to now. You cannot go to the Bible and say, what does it mean to me? That's the most ridiculous way to try and study your Bible. Frankly, I don't care what it means to you, okay? What I care is what it means. And what it means is what it's going to mean to the original recipients, what the original author intended. So I'm always going to take a verse. Let's say I start in Colossians. Great book to start in. If you've never studied verse by verse, just start in verse 1, move all the way through the book. You're going to get to some things there that you're going to have to make sure you say, what was this all about then? If you don't and you jump to now, you're going to misunderstand and misinterpret the word. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. It's going to talk about, you know, don't be taken captive by philosophy. If you take the 21st century definition of philosophy and you pin it on that word, you've just misread the text. Or it'll say, or the elementary principles. And you're going to think, well, if I think about elementary principles, what I think of, you're, not, you're going to misunderstand the text. So you're going to need to get back into the sandals of the original audience, and you're going to have to think through this text. How did this apply in terms of meaning in the first century? What did this mean to the original audience? And you're going to learn, for instance, that the word philosophy is used in a way that is much broader than a guy with a pipe at the University of California. This is something that had to do with a kind of thinking that was devoid of God. Or elementary principles was actually a Persian concept where they used to talk about astrology and the stars governing our fate. And you're going to begin to recognize, okay, I see what Paul had in mind here and what he was warning. the Well, how would I ever do that? I guess I have to become a pastor. Big library. You don't you need one book for this. Buy a study Bible. 
That's what it's all about in a study Bible. The notes in a study Bible are all about trying to, in any time a verse has anything that might have a historical distance, it's trying to say, here's what that means. I guarantee you, you go to Colossians 2.8 and there's not a study Bible worth its price if it doesn't comment on what philosophy and elementary principles meant in the first century. There's probably five or six different study Bibles that are based on the ESV text. Start with the ESV study Bible. It's a great one to have and use the notes. And keep your mind, at least for, I don't know, let's just say 10 minutes, thinking through the text in terms of its first century audience. Secondly, you then need to, from that original context, begin to articulate the always principles. You step out of the immediate context, which, by the way, is the word that should dominate the first section. Context, context, context. Historical context, the literary context, the grammatical context. Now I'm going to get back into the always in other words, what from this text applies across cultures and throughout time? That may sound hard, but it's not as hard as you think it is. It's an essential step in rightly studying the Bible, but you need to get to a place where you say, if I look at this text, what would transcend Colossae in the first century to be applicable outside of this text? There are two things that exist outside of the text all the time, and they're great diagnostic questions to ask, and that is God always exists outside of that context. So I need to ask, what do I learn about God in this context? That's a great way to figure out what the always principles are. You could be studying a passage in Leviticus about how the Levitical priest is supposed to prepare a sacrifice, and you'll say, wow, that has nothing to do with today. Don't leave it too quickly. Ask the question, what is the always principle here? And you need to start by saying things like, well, why would God ever require such a thing? What do I learn about God by that sacrificial instruction? And then the other thing that always transcends it is people, sinful people, God's covenant people, and ask the questions that relate to that. What do I learn about people in this text? What do I learn about sinful people, God's elect people? What do I learn? What are the eternal principles? And whether you're in Colossians or Leviticus, you can start to, in quick little bullet points, write out eternal principles. Principles are always statements that transcend time. Then, now this is super important, the third thing that I write on my piece of paper or my Word doc on my computer is now. And I don't ever derive the now information about how it relates to my life from the then paragraph. I always draw the now application from the principles, always. If I don't, I've missed the whole work of going from then to always because I can only apply, if I'm going to think about my life now, my marriage now, my parenting now, my, my relationship with friends now, I've got to take the application of the text, the now part, how does it relate to a 21st century Christian guy like me? I got to derive that from the eternal principles. If you go into the Bible like most people do, wow, let's check that out. What does that mean to me? You've totally slaughtered any kind of logical interpretation of the biblical text. Then, always, now. We call it the TAN method. Lastly and briefly, quickly. With all this Bible study that I hope is motivated by this message, I don't want you to miss the point. Don't miss the point. This isn't about you being a Christian brainiac and knowing all the data of the Bible. Well, I thought it was about knowing the Bible. It is about knowing the Bible, but when you know about what the Bible says, that's not the goal, right? Let's start with two basic things. You need to make sure that that book is changing your life, okay? The goal of the book is for you to be conformed to the image of his son, the goal is not that you know a lot and can beat everybody at you know, Bible trivia baseball or whatever. It's that you are acting and thinking and responding to people more like Jesus Christ does. If you want a reference for that, there are several, but how about I give you a classic one? 
James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. I love this. You're not a hearer who forgets what you read, right, or, or hear. You're a doer who acts. You constantly try to apply the text. You always have time for that now part, and you really are putting it into practice. Jesus, after the longest recorded sermon in the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he ends chapter 7 by saying this. Those who hear my words and put them into practice, that's the guy who builds his house on the rock. The guy who hears it and walks away and goes, well, that was interesting. I know a lot more now than I knew before. And you don't put it into practice. You're like the man who builds his house on the sand. Your, your life is no different or no better for knowing it. So we want to be more like Christ. That's one point. And that's kind of like the B point. Here's the A point. John chapter 5. This is the ultimate point of the Bible. It's the point that the Pharisees in Jesus' day had missed. And here, Jesus is going to say, you know a lot about the Bible, but you've absolutely missed the point of the Bible. Look what he says here to the seminary professors of his day. John 5, 37. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. Now think about this. He's the Messiah. He comes from God, and he's saying, God has written all about me. That's what the Old Testament is about. It leads up to Christ. It paints a picture of the Messiah. Man, you should be able to see this. But look at this, middle of verse 37. His voice you have never heard. Can you imagine telling the most educated Bible person you know? You've never really even listened to the Bible. You, you missed it. You didn't even hear it. And his form you've never seen. Now that's kind of an enigmatic way to say it. Because God has no form. The Bible's clear on that, right? John 4, he's spirit. He just said that in the last chapter. What's the point, though? Well, he is the embodiment, is he not? God was pleased for all the fullness of deity to dwell in Christ, Colossians 1. How about Hebrews 1? He is the exact representation of God's nature. He's standing before them. They're looking into the brown eyeballs of Christ, and he's saying, I am God in human form to whole, carry out this whole redemptive plan. But you didn't even, you didn't even recognize me for who I was. And you do not have his word abiding in you. I know you think you got some facts rattling around in your head about the Bible. You can win Bible trivia with everybody, but you don't really know the Old Testament scripture because if it were abiding in you, you'd trust in me. For you did not believe. You didn't trust. Bestuo, you didn't trust in me. The one whom he has sent, the one he talked about in the Old Testament. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. This is not what it's about. You're in it because it's a means to an end, not an end in itself. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse, love this phrase, to come to me that you may have life. That's the point. The point is not only to become more like Christ. The point is to love Christ and to know Christ. Not just to know about him, but to have a relationship with Christ that is real, that is genuine, that is growing because you spend time in his word. My soon-to-be wife, when we were teenagers and separated by 2,000 miles, tried to carry on this long-distance relationship. She was at UCI as a student, and I was at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. We had 2,000 miles separating us, and I know this is hard to believe, young people, but we didn't have cell phones, text messaging, email. We had this thing called a, a typewriter. Look it up on Wikipedia. It had these arms that slapped <laughs> up at the paper and created words. It was really weird. It was loud. And because we didn't have all these modern forms of communication and the love of our life was across the country, you see. There was this little thing at the bottom of our 20-story dorm 
that was a set of mailboxes on the wall, and they all had numbers on them, and we all had a number assigned to us, and take my little key out, when I looked through that little glass window, and if I saw that little slanted envelope in there, there it was, and I'd reach in there, and I'd grab it, and I'd see my girlfriend's cute little handwriting on the front, dearest Michael, you know, mm. <laughs> take the elevator up to my, my dorm room, and then I'd crack that thing open, sit at my desk, close the door, start reading. Didn't ignore it, didn't brush it off as a non-essential, it was essential, but it was not the point, right? I mean, it wasn't about me parsing the letter so that I could really say, I've, I've mastered the, the, the second paragraph, man, I, I get it. <laughs> no, I wanted to master the second paragraph, but it was all about the person that wrote it to me, see? I wanted a, a relationship with her, I couldn't wait for the time when I didn't need the letters, right? That's what I couldn't wait for. But because we were long distance, we had to have the letter. That was our means of communication. There's a time when you don't need Bible study. You'll be walking around with the living word. But right now, this is the word we have. And while you read it and study it, it's not about your pride. It's not about your, your mastery of, the, of, of verbs and, and nouns. It's not about you, you know, being a scholar. It's, it's about you learning to love and know the Lord Jesus Christ. And as fallen human beings who found redemption in Christ through repentance and faith, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one all of the Scripture and the triune God's attention is pointing us to. And when you read this book, you need to see him in the Old Testament. When you read the New Testament, it's all about him. And it's all about us loving him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. God, help us to give ourselves to this work like we never have before. Because it's good work. Don't let it be a burden to us. Let it be a joy for us to get into the word. Set us apart in it. Let it be, as, as Colossians says, something that dwells in us richly. Let us like David in Psalm 119, verse 164, wake up every day and thank you for the word. He says there, seven times a day I thank God for his righteous rules. So help us, God. I pray for those that aren't on the Daily Bible to get them in the community, this fraternity and sorority of loving your word and just talking about it together, moving through it together, reading it together. And then let us turn off the computer and open up your word and then dig into it just a sentence at a time, a line after line and a precept after precept, taking in and imbibing, drinking and eating the word of God, making it a part of our lives so that we can love you and know you better and we can become more like you. Make that a reality for this church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's words are more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey. You're listening to Focal Point with Mike Fabares and a message Pastor Mike calls Making the Most of Daily Bible Study. Now, if you want to share this challenge with a friend, go to focalpointradio.org. Conviction, redirection, discipline, and skill. These are only a few of the benefits of abiding in God's Word daily, and it's the pattern set in Scripture. When you listen to Focal Point, where God's Word is expounded daily, line by line, verse by verse, there's no doubt that God will be speaking into your heart on matters of priorities and conscience. Put your time and money where it counts, and give a financial gift as a sign of your commitment this year. Give online at focalpointradio.org. You can also write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. 
When you invest in Focal Point with a special year-end gift, you can be confident you're supporting a transformative ministry. Give today by calling 888-320-5885 or go to focalpointradio.org. We challenge you to make your December gift your most generous one yet. When you send your gift today, we'll say thank you by sending you a copy of Kevin Zuber's book called The Essential Scriptures. You'll appreciate having this Bible study tool by your side as you go deeper in God's Word in 2023. As you make that commitment, share it at facebook.com slash pastormike. Keep the conversation going and spur one another on to love and good works. When you join us on Facebook, you'll be encouraging your circle of friends to stay in the Word, perhaps inspiring others to begin discovering God's Word for the first time. In fact, why not enlist a pal or two to read through the Bible with you and keep each other accountable all year? To share today's message with them, go to focalpointradio.org. That's all we have time for today. I'm Dave Drewy, and on behalf of Pastor Mike and the entire Focal Point team, I wish you and your family a happy new year. We'll see you next year on Focal Point. This program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.